This is Clearly Christian with Dr. Cy Smith, bringing light and giving voice to our country's single greatest hope while moving the culture to God's design. Our mission, to increase the census of those who live and influence society from a biblical worldview. The time for Clearly Christian is now. Here is your host, Dr. Cy Smith. I'm Dr. Cy Smith, and this is Clearly Christian podcast about what it means to see the world from God's perspective and then the impact that this has on training the next generation to live a life consistent with a biblical worldview. If you like the show, you've been listening and following along, I certainly would appreciate it if you would leave a review or hit the subscribe button. That'll let others know that the show is worth listening to, and that'll definitely make a difference as we seek to advance the the cause of Christian education and our ministry here at clearlychristianeducation.com. Our guest today is Dr. Josh Mulvihill. He's the Executive Director of Church and Family Ministry at Renewination, and he's the author of a fascinating book entitled 50 Things That Every Child Should Know Before Leaving Home. So it's a great book. I've read it. I know you're going to enjoy our conversation about that topic today. So before I bring him in, let me set it up. And as I say every episode, let's go to school and let me make a few introductory points before we talk to our guest. Today, I want you to know more about what it means to parent with the end in mind. Again, what it means to parent with the end in mind. You know, parenting is hard, yet it's one of the greatest joys or sources of joy that we can experience this side of heaven. Few roles require that much wisdom and concern to navigate the hard times, yet bring that much joy and contentment during those good times. If you've raised children, you might remember that time in your parenting journey where you intentionally limited those choices that you made, such as maybe where you went on vacation or what you had for dinner or entertainment or something like that. Or if you're like me, you remember that time where you envisioned that uh, date night with your spouse and you ended up at a local pizza place with your kids' grandchildren. That happened to us quite often, right? Well, why do we do this? Well, I like what Sean McDowell has to say in his book, So the Next Generation Will Know. We do this because we know that when it comes to raising our children, we're willing to defer our desires to do what's best for them, certainly even if it's not what we want at the time. We make our kids a priority so that the next generation will know what we want them to know, so that they'll know the truth, as it says in Psalms 78. You know, we don't get to parent our kids for long. Those elementary, junior high, and high school years, they pass so quickly. Uh, The window, again, is small. It passes very fast, and it requires incredible intentionality on our behalf as parents. Intentionality means having a plan, and that's what we'll talk about today. I don't mean having some vague idea of wanting your kids to be happy and healthy or wanting them to be kind to others or even productive citizens who love Jesus. I mean, and I'm taking this from, again, our guest today, Dr. Josh Mulvihill, what I mean is beginning your parenting journey with the end in mind, and that'll begin be our focus today. Being proactive and planning for better results will get you better results as a parent. Thinking about those desired outcomes and the activities necessary to achieve them will help us be more intentional as parents. Most parents never get to this stage in life. Most never ask themselves, what are the actions on my part that are going to lead to that desired outcome? Are there certain things that I can do as a parent that are going to increase my chances for success? 
Perhaps this is one of the reasons why, and I've said this several times on our podcast, what Christian leaders and authors and scholars are not seeing, or they're saying this is what's missing in our society today, is we're not seeing a growing number of young and confident and vibrant Christians who are actively penetrating and influencing society uh, for Christ. And they're saying, hey, this is missing from our culture, or at least impacting the culture with a truly biblical life and worldview. So this is what we're going to be talking about today. Let me make three chalkboard points to get us started uh, before I bring in our guest. And chalkboard point number one, great children and families are built by proactive parents who begin with the end in mind. Just as building a house requires a blueprint and a detailed plan, of course, raising godly children requires a plan that's laid out with great intentionality and a vision for what the end goal is. Chalkboard point number two, the only definition of parenting success that really matters is God's definition. The picture of success that we see in the Bible centers around faith in Christ, obedience, uh, stewardship, of course, and Christ-like character. These are much different from the happy, healthy, uh, well-educated, well-behaved, productive citizens' priorities that the world would often have us pursue. And then chalkboard point number three, children are like arrows. They're shaped and prepared for a future. And again, our guest says that well in his book, and it's a great, great point. They're not intended to stay in the quiver. Again, the parenting season is short, and we don't have this opportunity for very long, yet our impact will last well into eternity. And you cannot give this responsibility over to anyone, not even the church, as we'll talk about later today. It is not their responsibility either. Only you are accountable for your children. So those are the three chalkboard points for this week. And now you know more. And as I say, when you know more, uh, you can do more. You can not only think differently, but you can act differently and you can say no more when you must. So with that, let's go ahead and bring in our guest again, Dr. Josh Mulvihill, the executive director for Church and Family Ministry at Renew a Nation. Again, thanks so much for being here. Uh, he's with us today from Minnesota. I'm sure there's some snow on the ground there as there is uh, in Ohio. Uh, so thank you again, Josh, for being here. It's great to be with you, Dr. Smith, and hello to everybody watching and listening. Excellent. Thank you. Well, Josh has been a pastor for nearly 20 years, a PhD in family ministry, serves on the board at Awana as well. Uh, assistant editor for the Renew, uh, Review Magazine, which, of course, is the Renew a Nation magazine. And as I mentioned, we've had their director, um, Jeff Keaton, on our podcast. We think highly of what they do there at Renew a Nation. So that's how we got connected with Dr. Mulvihill. So we appreciate his book. He's been the author or editor of 10 books, uh, most on parenting and grandparenting, which if we have time, we'll get to that as well. Uh, but again, the focus of what we want to talk about today, 50 things every child should know uh, before leaving home. And again, lives on Minnesota, uh, five children, a farm, pigs, chickens. Wow, that is some kind of life there in Minnesota. And cold, I'm sure, taking care of those animals on a day like today. It is. Actually, we're in the 30s today. So uh, it's, a, it's been <laughs> a warm, mild winter here, and I'm not complaining. That's great. That's great. Well, let's jump right into the book. It was a fascinating book. And tell us just briefly about that, you know, really what sets this up, because it's a great story about what your parents did for you. Uh, and I imagine that was the springboard for this entire 
this entire book to, to say, well, this is what I experienced as a young person. How can I put this in writing and explain the impact that this had on me? And, um, and, and moving forward, can it have that same impact on generations to come and others? So maybe set that up for an audience that hasn't read the book. Yeah, well, I, I hate sales pitches, uh, so don't hear this as such, but I think it's a really, <laughs> really helpful tool because one of the things I experienced as a pastor was the very opposite of what I experienced as a child of being raised by my parents, and that's a lot of parents are flying by the seat of their pants and um, don't have a great a great plan, a great level of intentionality at home. So this book really is a, it's a planning tool. It's a guidebook. Um, I find that some people, a lot of people uh, don't do good starting with a, a blank chalkboard. Uh, so in some ways, this is kind of like a choose your own uh, adventure. I don't know if you read those kinds of books growing up. It provides a template and it is very, very, applicable to every age and stage because you kind of, you know, it gives you a lot of ability to craft uh, your own discipleship plan. And the book, um, it's meant to be written in and then given as a gift to a child as a further mm. way to help them grow spiritually. And then there's a lot of planning tools in the back of the book. We have what's called a, a DIY uh, planning retreat for couples or individuals that really helps individuals get on the same page. Uh, and one of the things I also experienced as a pastor was that a lot of couples just aren't seeing eye to eye, don't have the same parenting philosophy potentially, or just are in different different uh, realms and need to be uh, united in, you know, in, in where they're going. And this helps couples get to that. So um, the different experience that I had as a as a child uh, versus uh, as a pastor was that, um, you know, my parents were new Christians when they, um, they were in college, came to faith through Campus Crusade, and they really wanted to get this uh, Christian parenting thing right. <laughs> I don't know if anybody can, can, uh, can associate with that. You know, you're, I was the oldest of my four siblings, uh, four oldest of three, I'm the fourth. Um, and, uh, you know, I'm sure my parents held me as a little baby and thought, oh my goodness, what do we do with this, this little child? <laughs> you know, they didn't have a good example from their parents. And how, how true is that for so many uh, that are parents today that, man, the heart beats, you know, there's what, what greater love is there than a parent for their child? And, Christian parents that want their their children to love Christ. You know, that was true for my parents, but they didn't really have a great model for how to do that. So um, they just started a regular rhythm um, of yearly planning, uh, what they were going to focus on for the discipleship of us kids. And um, and I didn't know this, though, until I was 17, when I was in between my junior and senior year of high school my parents invited me to go out to breakfast with them, and uh, and they slid a piece of paper across the table to me, which was, you know, it was their it was their parenting plan. They had listed all the things on there that they thought were really important for me to know. Some of them were biblical principles. Some of them were just um, things they thought would be helpful to mature into a godly adult, and was pretty holistic in nature. I had never seen it, but it was well worn written on 
check marks, dates on it. And it was really was my parents' invitation to assess how they had done. And they said to me, you know, you got nine months, Josh, till you graduate from high school. We want to put the finishing touches on before you leave. Is there anything on this list that you feel like we haven't accomplished? And I, you know, I remember scanning the list and seeing, you know, spiritual habits that my parents had taught, prayer and studying God's word and Bible memorization and character traits they had worked on, all kinds of life skills. I remember the habits uh, or the uh, manners. We would learned how to shake a hand and look people in the eyes and um, I remember on my the one I distinctively remember is small engine repair of all <laughs> things, uh, and that one I'm still not good at today. So we we crossed that off the list. Um, but uh, you know, I thought that was the norm as I grew older. Um, you know, j- entered into the pastoral world only to realize that that was pretty unique. And mm. um, you know, people hear that what my parents did, and there's you know varying levels of response. Many are like, "Whoa, that's like way out there. That's way more than I'm ever going to do." Um, <laughs> and you know, that's a pretty typical response, actually. And my, you know, my my encouragement really isn't to replicate what Joe and Jane Mulvihill did. They're not our model. God, you know, God, the father is, and he's given us that in, in the word. Um, but the piece that I think really the, the, you know, the takeaway that is helpful is that there is a, there is value in intentionality and, mm-hmm. you know, all of us, I, you know, I would love every person listening here to move from Christian parenting to intentional Christian parenting. And, mm-hmm. You know, all of us have opportunities every day. What we're saying, our decisions, how we spend our money, they all communicate priorities to our kids. And there are opportunities literally every day that we can can capitalize on that many of us are missing to uh, transmit our faith in Christ to the next generation. And, um, and so this really just helps Every parent, whatever stage and age, uh, get uh, get a little more intentional with what they're doing to disciple kids at home. Yeah, yeah, great. Uh, appreciate you sharing that. I love that story. You open with it. It's great. I mean, it hooks the uh, reader in right away. And I'm so glad you mentioned the uh, the small engine repair. I mean, that would just really stood out that your dad would put that in there and that you would say, I'm not sure we accomplished that one. I would have said the exact same thing, but that was just a good example of uh, very practical things, like you said, and yet very philosophical things, everything from manners and small engine repair to, yeah, what it means to be a a, a good spouse, I'm sure, and daily habits of prayer and how to be wise and things like that. And so it just really, uh, it just really spans the gamut. But to your point, boy, the, to do that as young parents, I mean, you know, the, the first of four, four kids and to say, we're going to, we're not going to think about these things. We're going to put these things down in writing and we're going to hold on to the list. We're going to check it off. We're going to date it. I think you said in the book, they put the dates down that they feel like they accomplished some of those things. And then we're going to ask our son or daughter, you know, in your case, son, you know, for some feedback and say, hey, how do we do? I mean, that is that's that's really uh, that's that's big time for some young parents back then to be, as you just said, that intentional about, yeah, we have this responsibility before the Lord and we really don't want to 
mess this thing up. So just a great, great opener. I'm so glad we could start with that. And you said, you know, and it's a relatively new book. I said it came out in 2021. Um, feedback has been, like you said, all over the place. Have you noticed some uh, patterns of feedback, though, from parents who say, boy, you know, of the list, yeah, these I'm gravitating to as, uh, yep, these these make sense to me. These other ones, boy, these are going to be really hard. Have, have the readers given you some feedback of any anecdotal evidences you've had or things that you think parents are appreciating? Mm. I get from older individuals uh, that have raised their kids already that have said, man, I really wish I had this when I was younger. Just the, mm. the, the, the broad vision, the very specific detail um, would have been really helpful. Um, I get a lot of thank yous from younger parents that are just starting out and, mm. you know, they got a lot of years ahead of them and, uh, and, you know, it provides a roadmap for them. Um, I think the individuals that I get the uh, largest amount of concerns or question from tend to be parents of teenagers that are mm -hmm. looking at the, uh, you know, the, the calendar rapidly moving and, and realize, man, my child is graduating in a year or two. I feel like I haven't done enough. Uh, and there's some alarm there. And, um, and so for those individuals, I would just say um, there's no need to beat any, oneself up. I don't think that accomplishes anything. But I think the reality is when we think about if I got a year or two or many still, that's a lot of time. I mean, that is a lot of time to uh, be very intentional and just choose the most important things with the time that one has. And, uh, you know, there's, we've, I've kind of given, the reality is graduation date is an arbitrary date. Uh, anybody that's a parent knows that parenting doesn't stop at graduation. Yeah. It changes as individuals, you know, children get older into the, the adult years, less dictation, uh, more guiding and, um, you know, just it just has a different shape. So just because an individual hits that point doesn't mean we, uh, you know, we, we can't parent. It just looks different. And so, yeah. Um, yeah, go ahead. Yeah, well said. Yep. And I would say, and as I said in the outset, you know, being proactive, most parents, unfortunately, fall into the reactive camp. And I don't know if they just conscientiously say, yeah, I'm going to be a reactive parent. I don't think anybody says that. It's just kind of the default mode of parenting. And, you know, you alluded to it. It's just so challenging. And maybe they don't even think about it. It's what they want, but they don't take it that next step to be as intentional as what you and I are recommending. And certainly you are, you know, in this book. Do you think today's parents, and let's say for the last, you know, five, 10 years that um, and, you know, for all practical purposes, most of the parents that I have in my school, you know, we're pre-K through 12. Most of those parents are of millennial age. You'll have some young uh, Gen Xers. Uh, you know, I'm kind of a middle of the road uh, Gen X, but you'll have some young Gen Xers who have kids in high school um, right now. But for the most part, most of our parents are millennials parenting Gen Z. Do those millennials face different challenges that are going to make this harder for them? Or do you think they might gravitate towards this a little bit more? What's your take on this generation of parents? Man, I have found that um, our parenting styles are so dependent on how each of us were raised. And ah. I think there are generational, um, you know, generational 
experiences that shape a lot. And um, for the millennial crew, man, I so I'm uh, I'm the older one. You know, I'm on the older scale like you are with with our kids. So I'm trying to think of people I know that are millennials that are raising their kids and um, just kind of the values, the uh, similarities, and maybe actually, maybe you'd be better to answer that question since you're seeing them <laughs> at your school. Have you seen? Have you seen uh, some some similarities in the millennial styles of parenting that are like, man, uh, this needs to be something that millennials need to hear today that are parenting their their kids. Yeah, most definitely right. And and I would say, and that's really how I I set all of this up is they 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 really mean well um but you're you're undoubtedly accurate in that what they bring to the table is probably going to be the most influential factor uh but they do bring more to the table uh not only just what they experience at home but because they've been poured into intentionally by society so much they have a lot more to filter through when it comes to creating a plan i mean it just seems like man i could go this way this way this way this way you know and what who do i listen to for this intentional parenting plan is it this person, this, you know, who's, what, what's the voice that's in their ear? And they're, they are looking for instruction and direction. But again, I got to be intentional to go out and try to find it. So because I'm just so busy, I end up just being reactive and praying for the best results mm-hmm. <laughs> because I'm reacting to what comes my way. Yeah. Good point, sir. Yeah. And I don't know if, I don't know if my generation and I don't know if our parents would have looked at things the same way. I would, I think they had a, uh, far less voices to listen to, and they would have been more inclined to, like your parents, sit down and say, okay, I can think through some of these things on my own. I can pray through them. We can start to jot some things down. These are universal truths that make sense to us and everyone else, and these would be good for the Mulvihill Hill children and the Smith children. And they wouldn't be so conflicted going, well, I don't know. This list has to be all things to all people. Yeah, that the social media influence probably is pretty high for the millennial parents that really, you know, we didn't have uh, on the early side of our parenting and my parents didn't have it all. And that whole influence with how you parent is pretty significant. Uh, You know, as you're, uh, you know, you're, we're, you know, we're taking our cues from the kinds of things we're seeing as we scroll through uh, social media on what's normal, what's even, um, prioritized what's our idea of success. And um, I would imagine that's probably a pretty biggie. Yeah. And as I think about Gen Z, because that's where I was headed with my next question, and it just kind of dawned on me, you know, that again, when your parents were writing this list, and then when you and I would write this list, of course, for, you know, your own list, um, and I'm not sure where, you know, the age range of your kids are. But again, let's just assume that uh, somebody has children in elementary or their child is just being born in their uh, preschool years. You know, the the actual uh, 50 things that make that list <laughs> you know, have greatly changed because of society changing and culture changing so rapidly now. I mean, they say that culture used to change every 20 to 25 years. Now it's about every five if you're lucky because things are moving so fast. And in my world, you know, now all of a sudden we're addressing things like uh, transgenderism and kids who uh, think they might want to act like an animal or be an animal and call themselves furries or things like that. 
and that biology that God has designed is a fluid construct. And I can identify as this one day and this another day and things like that. So, I mean, these things that are mind blowing and were mind blowing even, you know, four or five years ago are now suddenly could that potentially make the list if I'm raising a child or I have birthed a child, you know, in 22, 23, 24, and or I've got a first grader who might be confronted, you know, in a, a public school classroom with a six or seven or eight year old who decides he wants to or she wants to change genders and the public school teacher or administration can do nothing about that. And so they let this play itself out. And then your son or daughter comes home and says, Hey, guess what happened in school today? Susie decided she wanted to be Johnny. And this is how all that happened today. Now, all of a sudden, this needs to make my list. Yeah. Uh, how do I, you know, which is absurd and crazy to us. But does the average parent out there think, oh, boy, I better start giving some real thought to what goes on this list? Yeah. And those are critical topics for today's kids. Otherwise, there, you know, a lot of confusion enters into in the sexuality, uh, you know, what's a man, what's a woman kind of um, kind of uh, conversation. You know, but I think the, the biblical principle that all this boils down to simply is what's our authority uh, in determining how we parent, even what we talk about, you, we talk about the things on the list, um, and you are absolutely correct. There are some things that uh, are on today, especially I think about technology related that my parents didn't have to think about with us. Um, right. But there are also a lot of timeless ones that they are the same because God's truth is timeless and God's word never changes. And so, you know, while the topic of transgenderism um, I don't recall ever having that conversation with my parents. Um, <laughs> right. But I do recall reading with my parents through God's word. And as we read through, I got clarity from my parents specifically on what does it mean to be a man. And I knew then when the topic of transgenderism, which I wouldn't have even known that word growing up, um, when I right. encountered that for the first time, I was able to spot that error because my parents had taught me God's truth from the word. And so I think part of the piece here for us is, you know, we can be confident that our kids will have what they need to grow up into godly adults. Um, if our authority is God's word and that's what we're, you know, that's the, that's our curriculum. If you would call it that, that we are, you know, we're saturating our kids' hearts and minds with that. And of course that leads to, a biblical worldview and how they think and act and live. And uh, apart from that, um, everything else is its preference, its opinion, its, its, you know, the, the authority then becomes what's the experience that I'm going to choose. Is it my experience? Is it my parents? Uh, is it social media? That's really what it all boils down to. And so whether millennia or otherwise, whatever generation you know, we want to make sure we're grounded in uh, in God's word and in what we do. And that's hard when there's, you know, there's, man, there's so many, there's so many voices uh, and ideas out there telling us how we should parent and how we should operate. We always want to bring it back to God's word and test it. And, you know, I think we, in our heads, a lot of times we think we do that. Uh, but if just to give you an example, what was the last 
challenge that you had as a parent, if you are a parent or a grandparent or whoever, um, you know, where did you turn first to find a solution? And oftentimes the Bible's not that place or it's the last Mm. place and it should be our first. And the, you know, God's word is sufficient in that it, um, it helps us do what we need to do to accomplish what God, God calls us to as parents. And so um, I hope this, you know, this conversation is an encouragement to, you know, to be utilizing God's word towards the ends that he has given us as parents. Yeah, great, great point. Yeah, we might actually be seeing for the first time a generation that says, you know, I'm not sure here, so I'm going to Google this. <laughs> and and uh, right. to Google something related to parenting. And don't, kid yourself and be uh, so naive, right, to think that that wouldn't happen. Because uh, any question that passes uh, their mind, uh, they will they will try to find the answer on YouTube or Google or some uh, search engine like that. Well, I mean, uh, again, good segue. I'm glad you mentioned what you did, because I'm sure there's some parents out there saying, well, this sounds like a great idea, but how do I know what to put on the list? And so that led me into where I was going with God's authority and, and being as Christians saying, okay, this is who I'm responsible to. He didn't leave us without instructions. Things are there. And so that's why I liked that chapter on what is, uh, and that's why I brought it up in the uh, chalkboard points, what does parenting success look like? Mm -hmm. And so, you know, maybe walk through the young parent, hey, how can I find out what the end goal should look like? What should parenting success look like? Uh, what's, What's God's definition? What would What advice would you give them if they're scratching their head going, I don't know where to get started? Right. Well, that's a critical question because if we don't have clarity on the end goal, we don't know what to do on a daily basis to get there. And if we are crystal clear on what God wants for us as parents with kids, then we know how to operate uh, all of our decisions and daily operations. So in a nutshell, why did God give each of us children, those that are parents, uh, to raise them to know, love, and serve Jesus Christ? Uh, He populated children on earth so he can fill heaven with a whole bunch of people that love Jesus. Uh, And God's primary means of helping children come to faith and grow in faith is the family. It's parents first, it's grandparents second, and, uh, and we should not be outsourcing that to other people. So Uh, You know, if we turn to the Bible to answer what does success look like for parents, we can turn to lots of different passages. Um, One of my favorites, Psalm 78, uh, verses four through seven. And, And Psalm 78 talks about, you know, tell your children the glorious deeds of the Lord and his might and the wonders he has done. Teach them. Uh, God's law, his commands, and uh, walks through four generations so that your your children will tell the children yet born and the great-grandchildren. And we do all this, it says, there's these two really important words in Psalm 78, 7. We do all that so that, uh, Psalm Psalm 78 says, so that Mm. their hope is in the Lord uh, and they obey his commands. I'm I'm paraphrasing, but salvation, obedience, um, sanctification. You know, those that's the kind of the terminology of Psalm 78. And um, you know, there are other passages I love, like uh, Colossians 1:28. 
which talks about um, for Paul says for this I toil um, and what what's he toiling for it's maturity in Jesus Christ and uh, of course we got the book of Proverbs which is very clear that uh, uh, the focus is the fear of the Lord uh, it's the uh, wisdom of God and wisdom is simply applying God's truth to life. So if you were to say, you know, parents, what are we all about? Uh, we want our kids to come to faith. We want them to obey God, teach them to obey everything I have commanded. We want them to walk in wisdom, applying God's truth in all areas of life. Um, and it's, you know, it, it, there is a a transformation that happens in them so that we equip to shoot them out into this world. That Psalm 127 that you mentioned to start, um, you know, we want our kids to make an impact in this world for Jesus Christ. And, um, you know, whatever he has called them to, uh, whatever, you know, vocation or homemaker or, you know, businessman, educator, if we train them with the biblical worldview and launch them into this world for Jesus Christ, that begins to transform this world uh, for, for Christ. And uh, and so we, we should want all of those things. And uh, so, you know, what, as we operate on a daily basis in our home, the thing, there are all kinds of things we can do to help our kids know, love, and serve Jesus Christ. And that's really what this book helps us to accomplish. Yeah, excellent. You mentioned outsourcing and not outsourcing that. And surprising um, in that book to to read about, even as I mentioned in our point, even the role of the church. And uh, so combining just a couple of thoughts here, um, Jeff Keaton said this, the way we raised children in the 80s and 90s in the family, church, and school did not work. As a result of this significant failure, today's children are more lost than any generation in American history. And I know when I read that, I was like, wow, that's a mic drop, you know, couple sentences there, you know, and, and having been uh, birthed in uh, the late 60s, you know, I was, I was raised in the 80s, but I was a young adult, you know, by the time the 90s came around. But I think he's, he's also talking about, you know, a little bit of, a little bit of the X's and then, and certainly the Y's and, um, you know, uh, that, that were, um, you know, born at that time or at least being raised at that time. So what's he, what's he talking about there? I mean, cause he specifically calls out the church and, and you do as well. The, maybe you've heard of the dropout statistic, uh, number, which is depending on the study is like around 80%. Some are a little more, a little higher, but you know, these are the number of kids that have walked away from the church, walked away from their faith. Um, if we put this in business context or any other context, if we had an 80% failure rate at anything, we would be saying, you know, I, first of all, I'm not supporting this. Second of all, we have a crisis on our hands, uh, and we need to change what we're doing. Uh, for some reason, when it's come to the discipleship of children, we have this kind of failure rate. We really haven't altered what we're doing over many decades, which is what uh, Jeff Keaton is alluding to there. And that's with age-based programmatic children's youth ministry in the church, uh, where um, a lot of parents, that's their primary mode of discipleship. So I read a statistic mm. recently that 29% of parents read the Bible to kill, to kids. I'm not stating that for uh, guilt-inducing purposes for listeners, 
but 62% will drop their kids off at church for youth group, children's ministry. So what what's being relied upon is the church. And, you know, the reality is kids only get a few hours if they're there every week. Combine that with a high percentage of young people in the public school system. You know, it's, I don't know, eight out of 10, nine out of 10. Uh, that number's gone mm-hmm. down a little bit here over the last few years. But if 16,000 hours of time between kindergarten and senior in high school is spent in an environment that is not teaching biblical principles, is not teaching someone how to love Christ, obey Christ, walk with Christ, um, and is teaching just the opposite. I mean, we're getting, you know, public schools teach a a clear morality, you know, biblically it's immoral, but the, the, uh, the school system is teaching origins, morality, um, you know, purpose in life is teaching all these things and they do not align with the Bible in any way, shape or form. Um, and then you have homes. My experience is about one in four, uh, Christian homes are pretty intentional in the discipleship of their kids. Uh, as a pastor, um, the highest mark I had in any church, I was a pastor of, I was a pastor of two for about a decade each, uh, was 40%. And I, mm. you know, I asked parents, I surveyed parents, got pretty clear, uh, findings. That meant that such a high percentage of parents, somewhere six or seven out of 10 kids walking in our church, that's all they were getting for the discipleship, uh, in a week's basis. And so mm. you just add those things together, um, you know, time at church, which is limited. Uh, and often the church is doing an attractional entertainment approach. It's pretty weak on what a lot of churches are teaching their young people. Uh, you yeah. get kids in public school system, you get parents doing a limited basis at home. And it doesn't take, you know, it's not rocket science to see <laughs> why we're getting the results we're getting. So what's the answer to that? The answer is, you know, first and foremost, it's family discipleship at home. We need to be serious about doing what God's asked us and called us to as parents in the home. Uh, yeah. And of course, you know, Renew Nation and uh, with what you're doing, Dr. Smith, uh, we believe Christian education is critical as well. Uh, we think that biblically, that is a command given to parents in the sense of education's not this you know, we have three institutions God created. He created the church, the home, um, and uh, civil government. We treat, we create, we, you know, we, we approach education as if it's like this fourth institution that lives on mm. its own, um, but it doesn't. It lives inside of one of those three biblically, and which does it live in? And, you know, in our world today, we, we treat it as if it's the government's responsibility, and it is not. And so when we have a a jurisdictional violation where one institution takes responsibility for something that's been given to a different institution, we have all kinds of problems. And so we shouldn't be surprised when parents outsource to the church or to the government to do what God's called them to in the discipleship of their kids. So the the solution is parents got to take back the responsibility God has given them in the discipleship of their children um, in partnership with Christian schools, in partnership with churches, but um, but but take that seriously. And um, and it, you know it is it's a challenge today as a parent because there are so many 
um, opportunities and encouragements to outsource what we do. I mean, every you, we don't even need to cook anymore. We can outsource meals. Right. We can outsource. Um, we can outsource education. We can outsource healthcare. I mean, we can outsource literally almost everything we do as a parent. And now we can outsource discipleship to different groups. And so, um, this is just an encouragement to say, um, you know, we. Uh, you know, as a pastor and you know, as a as a school leader yourself, uh, we of course believe there's great value in the church and the school partnering. But at, it, you know, the foundation that God's given is the family, and so this should help uh, help accomplish what God's called. Yeah, great, great point. And I can't believe I'm I'm going to say this, but I, I I have this now that I'm older. <laughs> I can see the bigger picture, even historically, of as I look back on my own life and see how this has evolved and see exactly, I've seen this play itself out. And I love kind of the image that you create in the book of how outsourcing came to be. Because I can remember when, you know, and I was raised in a Christian home. I was saved at a young age of six when praying with, you know, mom there at bedside. And, and so, you know, that was, that was my journey. And, you know, we were in church every time the doors were open. Uh, but I can remember um, when youth groups, came out even, you know, the people, you know, these kids think there's youth groups been around for hundreds of years. No, they have not. They've only been around since the late seventies, early eighties. And it was really the early eighties when it really became, it got momentum and, and most churches that were above about, you know, two, 300 people, they ever, well, you had to have a youth group, right. And exactly what you said, attract and entertain. That was definitely the, the, uh, the, the precipice on which they were built. But the shift then I think, you know, started about that time to say, Hey, bring us your kids. And the church said, you know, we will, we will, um, maybe well-intentioned, we'll help you. But what got translated is we're going to do this for you. And we're going to, you know, we're going to do, you bring them uh, Wednesday night, bring them Sunday night, you know, make sure you get in Sunday school. And like you said in your book, help us, you know, write the curriculum, help us do these things. And, and so we'll take the lead in spiritually with your kids as the church, because now we have a youth minister and we have an assistant youth minister and we have somebody trained in that. And so we'll take that role. Um, and then, you know, we'll, we'll give you a good product, <laughs> you know, and, uh, parents, parents went all in and maybe too much. So like you say, and, uh, relied on the church in that way. And like you said, um, if, if I've got, you know, at least 50, 60 hours spent in public education up against maybe two or three spent at church, if I'm lucky. And then almost no discipleship hours spent at home. And a lot of that might be because as we started our conversation, mom and dad have no idea what that looks like. They didn't experience it themselves. So they're walking into this thing as perhaps young Christian parents who don't have this cycle. And this is what you're relying on, you know, two to three hours at best. And now I think the average child spends no more than an hour, you know, hour and a half at church each week. You know, that's what you're going up against as compared to the thousands and thousands of hours of other worldview that they're going to hear from something. It's yeah. no wonder that, like you said, we're batting about 4% of this generation has a biblical worldview. So it just really helped me kind of step back and look at the bigger picture and say, yeah, mm -hmm. you know, again, well-intentioned. And I'm not throwing darts at these churches. I think they meant well because they probably feel like they had to do something back then. Um, um, and so they tried. but. Christian parents were quick to say, fantastic. I don't know what to do with them either, you know, and I don't really have an intentional plan. So here you go. Here's my kids. You know, you, you train them to be spiritual, godly men and women. And it just yep. didn't work. 
I'll make the distinction between a meal and vitamins. So, you know, we, you know, how many of us think vitamins are good? You know, we all do. Um, but if we only had to live on vitamins, it would be, you know, our health would suffer for that. And that's what churches are in the spiritual development of young people. They're vitamins. They're not meant to be the main meal. God created parents mm. for that and grandparents for that. And, um, and somehow we've, uh, some of us have substituted vitamins for the main meal. And so the point isn't, do we need to abolish all this stuff? That's not the point I'm suggesting. Um, it's, you know, it, it is to make sure that we're not substituting one for the other. And I, I don't think children are struggling spiritually or falling away primarily because the church is doing a poor job. I think for the most part, um, children struggle spiritually uh, because we've asked the church to do something that God has designed parents for. And, uh, and we need to be clear as parents, not only what God's asked of us, what he's called us to, but then how, how do we do that on a, a daily basis? And that's where, you know, that's where, uh, this book really helps parents to get that holistic picture in on a rig, you know, take that, take it back, take the discipleship of your children back and, you know, thank your pastors, thank your, uh, your leaders for how, uh, how much they care for your children, but they're not their parents. You are. And so, um, to continue to benefit from what the, the, uh, churches and, uh, groups, you know, parachurch groups, uh, offer, but, um, but make sure that that's not in place of what, what you are doing as a family. Yeah, great point. And I would echo that even for Christian schools, that's true as well. And having done this now for 32 years, I can see those kids who, I know have been discipled well in the home and those uh, that have not, and uh, those have struggled. And we are regularly even reminding our parents that, hey, we are not the church and we are not the home. And so mm -hmm. you are the first priority and we're going to do the best we possibly can. But even our mission here is to be an extension of your home and a support for your home. But it really has to start there. And if it starts there, then a Christian school will be a, a fantastic um, you know, uh, aid uh, to that, or we'll come alongside you, we will strengthen it, and we will make it even stronger and better tying in those three chords. But if we are out there on our own, without the support, certainly the driving being the uh, home, and without the support of the church, then we're, you know, uh, we're going to be in trouble as well. So yeah, we we are preaching those same messages. And as I said, mm -hmm. uh, boy, we can, we can, we can recognize those kids that have that training at home. Uh, yep. Also, and and school and navigating life, even even in Christian school settings, is is uh, looks much different for them. Well, this has been a great conversation. Thank you so much for your insight. And uh, like I said, we could just go on and on here, but I've Thank just you. really enjoyed this time here. And 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 I'm perhaps on another t episode we'll get to talk about grandparents because we might have some grandparent listeners out there. And I would imagine in the next, you know, who knows how many years that might be uh, me as well. Both my children are grown, gone out of the house and married, although I'm not a grandparent yet. So I'm going to be anxious to to read those books on grandparenting as well. But if they want to know more about Josh Mulvihill, they want to know more about your ministry uh, in a variety of ways, how can they get in touch with you or at least follow along websites that they should go to? Yeah, uh, you can go to renewanation, all one word, dot org. And uh, that's our ministry, helping children develop a biblical worldview. And we focus on 
uh, the church, the family, and the school, and uh, lots of great resources there. Uh, kind of Josh Mulvihill, uh, all everything that I have is thrown on gospelshapefamily.com. So um, if you're if you're interested in blogs and resources in that world, uh, that's that's where that's found. Excellent. Well, thank you again. Appreciate you, brother, and keep up the good work. And thank you again for joining me today on the Clearly Christian podcast. And I trust that now you know more about what it means to parent with the end in mind and uh, what it means to start creating an intentional plan for how you approach this incredible responsibility of Christian parenting. Again, if you like the show, you've been listening, please hit the subscribe button, follow along, leave a review. That'll certainly help uh, boost our ministry and encourage others to listen as well. And remember, as I close every episode, the only way that we're going to turn things around in this country back for the Lord is to increase the number of people who live and operate daily with a biblical worldview, who see things from God's perspective. And the best way to do that, of course, is to give the next generation a Christian education, either in Christian school or the home. So until next time, again, this is Dr. Cy Smith with Clearly Christian. Thank you again for joining me today. Thank you for listening to the Clearly Christian podcast with Dr. Cy Smith. Hear more episodes at clearlychristianeducation.com. If you'd like more information about Christian education in your neighborhood, or if you're interested in education opportunities at Mansfield Christian School, or if you agree with Dr. Smith and want to help him in his mission to influence and awaken Christian America, you can send Dr. Smith an email through the clearlychristianeducation.com website. Message him on the Clearly Christian LinkedIn or Facebook page, or call the Clearly Christian Connect line at 419-756-5651. This has been the Clearly Christian Podcast with Dr. Cy Smith on clearlychristianeducation.com. Brought to you in conjunction with Mansfield Christian School. A Brian Media Production.